everyone, welcome to Curdled Ink, one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and this is episode 25, chapter 25 of Fifty Shades of Grey. And guess what, everybody? It's the second to last chapter of book one. I don't know if that's exciting or I don't know what it is, but uh, it's something. We're almost a third of the way through the book series. Holy shit. Chapter 25 begins. We have fast-forwarded to the end of Anna's trip to Georgia. She is at the airport going back home to Seattle, back to Christian, because he had to leave early from the trip he wasn't even supposed to be on in the first place, so... And she's sitting on the plane, thinking everything over, and on page 472, she thinks, It's very simple. I want his love. I need Christian Grey to love me. That is why I'm so reticent about our relationship, because on some basic fundamental level, I recognize within me a deep-seated a deep seated compulsion to be loved and cherished. And this is like a revelation for her, but like, honestly, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> like, that's a very, very natural instinct. And especially for someone who you're in a romantic relationship with and who, you know, you've been with for a little while at this point and things are starting to look maybe a little bit serious and like everybody else knew this. Like, obviously. And it took her the entire book to get there because she's just so out of touch with herself. Like, it's incredible to me sometimes. But I guess, I don't know, sometimes people just do just be like that. And it takes a lot for them to even, like, register or acknowledge what they're actually feeling. So anyway, she goes on to say, And because of his Fifty Shades, I'm holding myself back. The BDSM is a distraction from the real issue. No. No, it's it's not. Anna, we're almost through the first book and you're still at this level where you don't even understand the basics of like, nothing about the kink is a distraction for him. It's not besides his love or his capacity to love. That is his love. That's his version of romance. That's his version of a relationship. And the sooner you can realize that and internalize that, the better relationship you're going to have to him and the better relationship you're going to have to your own kink and any other kinky relationships you might get into in the future, in this hypothetical future I'm imagining, where you break up with him and find someone who treats you better. <laughs> but of course, she doesn't understand that because she knows so little and she has so little support and actual helpful teaching from Christian, who is like her primary resource right now. Like, small fucking wonder. She still doesn't see it. She says, the real heart fail, which first of all, heart fail? What? The real heart fail is that I don't know if he's capable of love. Again, of fucking course he is. Again, the kink is his way of showing love. Just because it doesn't look like a quote-unquote traditional romance doesn't mean that he's this heartless monster. I mean, he kind of is because he's, like, abusive and he has stalked you and all this bullshit. But if we can set all of that aside for a moment and just focus on the kink, that's not what's keeping him from loving you. In fact, there's nothing keeping him from loving you. He loves you. It's fucking obvious. You just can't see it because again, you have you have still not built any kind of frame of reference for kink and love to coexist. She thinks, I recall his self-loathing, her love, meaning Elena, Mrs. Robinson, being the only form he found acceptable. Punished, whipped, 
beaten, whatever their relationship entailed, he feels undeserving of love. Wrong. So fucking wrong. Like, so you just keep missing all of the important points. <laughs> yes, he gravitated towards Kink because of his trauma and because when he was adopted into this, like, rich, wealthy, storybook perfect family, he was, like, felt like he didn't fit and he was looking for something that felt more acceptable and he found. Elena, and she showed him kink, and that's how he felt more comfortable receiving love and affection. But first of all, that's not him feeling unworthy of love. That's, like, even if he did at first, he clearly found a way that he was able to accept love and to accept affection through kinky relationships. And second of all, like, who's to say he wouldn't have ended up kinky anyway, even if he hadn't been traumatized as a child? Yes, a lot of kinky people are traumatized. Yes, a lot of people use kink to safely explore and help heal from their trauma. Like, I know that's not an uncommon thing, but the trauma is not the sole factor in determining whether or not you are going to grow up to be kinky. And I know it's different for everyone, but for me, kink is like an inherent part of my sexuality. It's like part of my sexual orientation in the same way that being pansexual is part of my sexual orientation. You know, it's it's just as much part of my identity. And so, yes, I have trauma. Yes, Yes, I have, you know, mental illness. Yes, I have shit that kink helps me heal from. But even if my childhood had been perfect, which like, who the fuck has a perfect childhood anyway? Like my childhood was pretty fucking good and it still messed me up pretty, you know, pretty thoroughly. But even if not, like there's, I, I strongly believe that there is like some inherent drive, some inherent desire in like the wiring of my brain that makes me kinky. And I strongly suspect that it's the same way for a lot of kinky people. So there's no way of knowing that Christian would not have ended up just as kinky as he is now if he wasn't traumatized. If anything, you know, I have to think that if he had a healthier relationship to love and to, you know, interpersonal bonds and God knows to women because, like, he was severely mistreated by his mother. So, you know, maybe that had a hand in why he turned out so fucking misogynistic and abusive. I don't know. That's... I don't think that's ever really explored, but if he had had a better relationship with himself, with his capacity to love and be loved, if he had been able to accept himself and his surroundings growing up, maybe he would have been more open and receptive to a more considerate, consent-focused form of kink versus this, like, I'm the sub, so you do whatever the fuck I want you to, no arguments, which is not even kink because consent is, is mandatory, but like, you know what I'm saying. So Anna is waiting for her plane to take off and Christian has his situation that made him go back to Seattle early and so she's like emailing Christian while she waits for the plane. He's like cold, he's snapping at her. It's implied because he's still dealing with whatever the fuck this situation is. So that's fun. Anna also notices that once again, just like on the flight down to Georgia, on this flight back, you know, because of course he 
she's like upgraded her to first class for this too and she notices that the seat next to her is, is empty this time as well and it occurs to her that maybe Christian bought that seat so that she would be alone, so that she couldn't talk to anyone without him there to, like, fucking babysit her or whatever. And she immediately dismisses the notion. She's like, no, 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 he would never do that. Girl. Girl, the things he has done to you so far in this fucking relationship, I would not put that past him at all. He has shown himself more than capable of pulling something like that. Also... <laughs> I don't remember if that is ever discussed later on in the series and if we ever find out if he did in fact purchase the seats next to her to keep her from like meeting a guy on the airplane or whatever the fuck, but uh, yikes. So blah blah blah, she gets back to Seattle, Taylor, Christian's assistant, picks her up, takes her to Christian's apartment, and she's so nervous the whole time. She's so nervous about what she's going to find when she walks into that apartment. What mood is Christian going to be in? How is he going to treat her? What's going to happen? Which, like, is not great. You know, yeah, Christian, whatever the fuck Christian's situation is, it's clearly not fun. It's clearly stressing him out. And like, yeah, sometimes your partner is stressed about shit and sometimes they don't have the presence of mind to treat you as gently as you might like. But just the amount of time she spends dwelling and the amount of anxiety that is building up in her about like, he's not even mad at me, but he's mad at something and I hope he doesn't take it out on me. Like, that's not good. That's not a good sign. That's not something I would be willing to tolerate in my relationships, not least because I already have clinical anxiety. I already get scared that people hate me when they're literally just existing near me, you know? So if I have a partner who I suspect is going to take out their shit that has nothing whatsoever to do with me on me, that's not okay. I'm not, I'm not putting up with that shit. I'm not. If you can't separate your shit from my presence, we clearly need to spend some time apart until you can calm down and like treat me with the respect that I deserve if I have done nothing to like offend you or upset you or whatever. But Anna's self-esteem ain't even ready for that conversation yet, so here we go. Oh yeah, so when she was interviewing for her internship job, I don't know, it's been referred to as an internship and a job at various points throughout the book. When she was going to her interviews, Christian wanted to know where she was interviewing and she wouldn't tell him because she didn't want him to like quote-unquote interfere because I don't blame you. Like yeah, that's absolutely something he would do. But since she got accepted to one of the jobs, internships, whatever, in the last chapter, she tells Christian she decides to tell him where she she's working and to his credit he has not like cyber stalked her enough to look it up and know where she got a job so good for him oh my god the bar is in hell it's so low it's so low that satan would be playing limbo with it right now as we speak so Jose is having a like show, photography show at a gallery later on and she has promised Jose that she'll go and so she decides to invite Christian to go with her and 
yikes. <laughs> like, right away, yikes. First of all, she's, like, super nervous to tell him, which, again, not a great sign of a healthy relationship if you can't be like, my friend is having a display of his art and I want to go support my friend and you don't know if you're going to be greeted by your partner with approval or fucking anger and jealousy. That's not great. And I know, I know, Jose assaulted her, but they've resolved that. They've decided to still be friends. And at this point, like, Christian, first of all, needs to get over it. Second of all, it at this point, it kind of feels like he's not even angry whenever she brings up Jose because of the assault. It feels like he's angry when she brings up Jose just because he's, like, a male friend who has feelings for her. So therefore, he's competition, which, like, it doesn't fucking work like that. Like, she has made it a abundantly clear that she's not interested in Jose. It doesn't matter how he feels about her because she does not feel the same way about him. She is his friend. He is her friend. They are friends. Holy shit. Second of all, bringing your incredibly overbearing, possessive, jealous boyfriend to the photography show of your male friend who has a crush on you, I'm sure that's gonna end well. <laughs> uh, look forward to that. I believe it's in the second book. So they're, like, in the shower or whatever. They're, you know, having, you just got back from a trip and I missed you sex. And she is, Anna is still asking if she can touch Christian. Even though he has said no multiple times, he has made it clear multiple times that that is a hard limit for him, that he will not allow it. For whatever reason, his torso is not to be touched. And she's still asking. She's still pushing. She's still not respecting that boundary. Ah, this book, these characters, like nobody knows how to respect a boundary. Nobody knows how to respect consent or to even get consent in the first place. It's fucking maddening. Oh yeah, so he mentions that he has, like, bought her a closet full of clothes while she was away, which, like, again, this man doesn't want a girlfriend, he wants a sugar baby. And I know Anna is, like, not interested in fashion because she's not like the other girls or whatever, but I just, and maybe I'm reacting a little bit stronger than your average bear to this particular point because I have such a strong sense of style and I'm so picky about what I'll wear and I've like developed my fashion sense over years and years but from my perspective I really I can't help but feel like that's a little bit disrespectful to just buy you an entirely new wardrobe without even checking anything about your sense of fashion about your likes and dislikes in terms of clothes your preferences for what you want to wear I know that in his mind he did it without telling her because he knew she was going to protest test if, if he said it ahead of time, which in and of itself is a whole other disrespect because it's like, okay, you know she doesn't want you to do this, but you're doing it anyway. Like, hello, that's, that's fucking impolite at best. And it's just another fucking power play at worst. Like, it's just another way of him asserting, like, I own you now. You're going to accept what I give you no matter what your opinion is of that. Like, no, that's not dominance. That's not what a DS dynamic is. Like, goddamn, dude. I, <laughs> if somebody bought me 
all of those new clothes without consulting me on any of them, I'm sorry. I would be fucking pissed. No. Like, sorry, no. Like, you do not get to dictate my appearance to me, especially not without any kind of discussion beforehand. Okay, so they fuck in the shower, they have dinner, now they're gonna go do a scene in Christian's playroom. And so Christian has Anna go to the playroom, undress, get on her knees to wait for him to come in. And as she's waiting, she's thinking about, like, do I really want to do this? I want to say it feels wrong, but it kind of doesn't. Good for you, Anna. You're finally getting something right out of this. (laughs) She thinks it's right for Christian. It's what he wants. And after the last few days, after all he's done, I have to man up and take whatever he decides he wants, whatever he thinks he needs. No. No, 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 and also no. Have I mentioned no? Because no. That's not how a DS relationship works. That is not a DS dynamic. It's not whatever he needs, I will have to tolerate it. No. It's consent, it's negotiation, it's discussion, it's what both of you want. It's what both of you are okay with. It's what both of you need out of this relationship. I don't fucking care. That's not, that's not it. This ain't it, chief. Also, that's such an incredibly transactional way to think of this relationship. It's like, oh, he took me on this extravagant date. He flew across the country for him. So now I owe him whatever it is he wants. I don't know what that is. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I don't know if I want it, but I owe it to him. No, you fucking don't. Relation, interpersonal relationships are not a transaction. And like, I get the impulse. I definitely feel the like feeling of, oh, I need to make sure things are fair and that one of us is not taking on more of the burden and one of us is not, you know, having more of our needs met than the other. And I think to a certain extent, that's a good mindset to have in a relationship because you do want like everyone involved to feel fulfilled and feel like they're participating in the relationship, but that they're receiving as well as giving. But past a certain point, you can't, like, it doesn't matter if it's a little unfair sometimes. If it means enforcing your boundaries and staying within what you're comfortable with and what you're okay with tolerating in a relationship. And if you're just thinking about a relationship as a series of transactions, as like a series of of checks and balances and like, you know, keeping score of every tiny little thing, like it sucks the life out of the relationship. And it's just a constant like back and forth of you owe me something, now I owe you something. Like that's, that's no way to have a romantic romantic relationship. That's no way to have a friendship. That's no, like, of course you should be both be benefiting from this relationship, but like a lot of times you should be benefiting from it together, right? Like it should be a net positive in your life because of the nature of the relationship, not despite it, not because you're like keeping a fucking log of who owes who what. That's just not like, that's such a good way to kill all of the passion and all of the affection you have for the other person and to build up all kinds of spite and like nitpicking the other person's behavior and like that's just not it's not fucking good it's not fucking healthy so christian comes into the playroom and he reminds anna of what their safe words are and then he kind of vaguely is like okay i'm gonna tie you to the bed and you won't be able to see me you won't be able to hear me and i'm gonna do stuff to you and that's it that's the extent of his negotiation and he's like do you understand and she's like no because of course she doesn't fucking understand you've told her nothing like that's not a fucking discussion like you don't have to give her a blow by blow of every what every single second of 
of the scene is going to look like, but it would really help if you were like, okay, I want to tie you to the bed, I want to blindfold you, I want to put, you know, headphones on you so you can listen to this, you know, music that I've picked for you on my iPod, and then I'm gonna use a flogger on you, and whatever. Just give her some, like, actual clear idea of what to expect so that she can consent to it, or say, hey, I'm really uncomfortable with being blindfolded. Let's not do that right now. Or like, hey, I don't love the idea of a flogger right now. Is there some other tool you can use? Or what the fuck ever. Like that would be an actual fucking discussion, an actual fucking negotiation. But of course, he doesn't even ask for consent to any of that. He's just like, got it? And she's like, uh, I guess. And he's like, great, get on the bed. No! No, you fucking moron. That's not how that works. <sighs> oh, and then he takes out a flogger that has little beads on the end of each of the tails. And he's like, I'm going to use this on you. And guess what? It's not going to hurt. I have my doubts. I have my doubts about that, bro. <laughs> like, okay, full disclosure, I have never had a flogger with beads on it used on me. Would love to make that happen someday, but as of right now, I have not had that, that experience. However, I have had the experience of using a flogger where each tail is cut kind of at an angle so that it sort of like almost has a bit of a sharp end on it. And guess what? That fucker hurts. It's like so much stingier than the other flogger that we have that's just like blunt cut at the end of the fucking the tails. It's like a totally different experience and it's great and I love them both. And also, yeah, I'm aware you can be pretty fucking gentle with a flogger, but once you start like actually hitting someone with it, it's probably gonna hurt, especially if there's little tiny bits of plastic coming down on your skin multiple times. Like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds kind of painful. Correct me if I'm wrong. If, if any of you have had a different experience, with this and like he hits her with the flogger and she enjoys it and it's fine and whatever and so I'm kind of just nitpicking here but like what a fucking horrible job of man managing expectations bro there are so many better ways to say that. You can say, like, I'm not going to use this very hard. I'm going to be gentle with it. It's not going to hurt very much. You can always ask me to slow down if it gets too intense. It just... I know it's just because E.L. James knows nothing about kink, but it just feels a tiny bit dishonest to me in this context. So anyway, they do a sensation play scene, there's a bit of impact with the flogger, and then they fuck, and Anna loves it, it's great, it's sensual, it's erotic, it's all of the things that we already know kink can be, but Anna is like just starting to learn that kink can in fact be those things. So happy for her for a moment that she is starting to understand that a little bit. Congrats. Oh, and then after the scene, Christian gives her a shoulder massage. So, tiny bit of aftercare. Little bit. Just a little, a little smidgen. But it's there. So again, yay. And they're also bantering about what the fuck Anna said in her sleep that Christian refuses to tell her for some weird, manipulative fucking reason. So, can't wait to see how that ends. Yay, end of chapter. <laughs> One more chapter to go, folks, and then this book is over. I'm gonna be 
taken a little bit of a hiatus after I'm done with this book. I will tell you more about that at the end of the next episode because we're not quite there yet. But don't worry, your, your feeds will not be empty. I have some plans for some other stuff that I'm going to be posting on this feed. So more details next time for now. Thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. My name is Lee. You can find my social media at allmylinks.com slash leecartist. And you can find this podcast at allmylinks.com slash thecurdledpod and the Patreon at patreon.com slash thecurdledpod where you can support me monthly in return for some fun exclusive content. Yay! Be sure to check the show notes for the spelling on all of those links. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledinkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, please rate, leave a review, whatever, on any of the major podcast apps, wherever you're listening to this now. It, it super, super helps. Or tell a friend, post about the podcast on social media, whatever you want to do to spread the word. It's all so, so appreciated. Thank you so much. The logo is by Reese Jones at tearlessrainart.tumblr.com. And until next time, folks, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. Bye! I should have done this before I started recording. Oh well. I'm drooling. Or tell a friend, write a... Uh...